You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The car feature. So this afternoon, we're looking at the story, the history, the life of an, another iconic vehicle. In the past, we've brought you the car history of the microbus. Uh, we had some fun about the GTI. And then today, we're bringing you the history of the Land Rover. And we're speaking to Kevin Derrick, the CEO of Creative Rides. He joins us for this chat. And you're welcome to share your stories with the Land Rover, about the Land Rover, on 11 um, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome back to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Azania. Thank you very much. So the Land Rover, a very uh, rugged history, even though now we have um, a luxurious iteration of it. <laughs> Let's first go back to those early days and explore um, its entry and the, the early entrance into South Africa. What's the brief history here? Uh, as I near the very brief history, if I can, I mean, this little car was a brainchild in 1948, and it was kind of a copy of the Jeep, which was very well used in the Second World War with the various military forces. So Land Rover set themselves up and originally made the car actually with the steering wheel in the middle, with a guy sitting on the left and a guy sitting on the right in 1948 <laughs> to copy the Jeep. So... Quite weird, but it came out of the military and an idea that the, the British wanted to make a vehicle, a utility vehicle that their military could use, which was similar. Mm-hmm. The early days of this Land Rover, it was like agricultural. So it was something that had what we call, you know, various goodies that you could add to it, put them on, use to plow your fields, take your goodies off, you know, use it to cut down forests take their all of the, and drive into town and buy your groceries and drive back. Mm-hmm. So they tried to make it a unity, this vehicle, right in the early days. But it first arrived in South Africa in about 1949. 49. Um, and, and when it arrived here, we started as an assembly facility down in the Eastern Cape. Um, and that operated from about 1950 to 1956 in the Eastern Cape. It was with a with a, a company they called the Car Distribution Assembly Plant, and and in those days it was in East East, East London. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take long, and then it was made here. Land Rover never was registered yet as a, in the country, but in 1955 they registered Land Rover, and well, this factory then moved to the yesterday Port Elizabeth for a number of years, and the assembly plant carried on going until 19 about 68. And then what happened is British Land Rover, or Leyland, should I say, bought Land Rover. And then this whole lot moved down to the Cape, Elsie's Refere, Epping. And they had oh. various production plants down in Cape Town. Mm. And then it had a turn in, in 1982 where Leyland bought everything and it was moved to Pretoria. And basically everything operated in Pretoria until BMW bought everything out. And they then at a point no longer made or had a factory in South Africa. But for a long time, these little cars were put together in an assembly plant in our country, and I think it was quite great to have. Mm-hmm. Um, many people used these vehicles. They were utilized in various military facilities, both South Africa and Botswana. If you look at the UK, if you look at Australia, very many countries have used these little cars as part of their military. But Obviously, they also found their way into the civil life, the civilians like us. Yes, yeah. A whole lot, a whole lot of, of maddies that love Land Rovers, even though they might give us a bit of havoc, but they 
creep into our hearts and into our families and you can't get rid of them. No, you can't get rid of them. I've got a little story about the Land Rover, but um, you talk about the military connection. I saw something that in Scotland you could actually buy a version that had uh, tank treads as a fac- factory option, you know, because they've got so many wet, uh, you know, that you could drive through these wet patches, these very muddy wet patches uh, and so on. So it's a car that was fearless or the makers were not fearless, fearful rather in the modifications or what you could do with the vehicle that you let's try it if if we imagine it let's kind of try it what are some of the changes that have been made to it over the years look i mean what it started off with was what was called a series one which in really in real terms as well today it's a well a valuable little car it's a stunning little vehicle but in theory it's like a mini tractor i mean it's quite agricultural as a whole and, and Land Rover kind of kept this agricultural feel to this car right through, uh, and many many other owners of, of let's say Toyotas and other and other four by four type cars would have would have had that argument that hang on this is this thing is so basic it's scary and it always has been a basic car but if you look at you know they changed so few things right up until basically the very last one it still had its exact square shape. It took them 10 years to move the lights from the inside of the grill to the fenders. You know, it's a big change from, yeah. from a Series 2 to a Series 3. Mm. And so they, they didn't really make tons of these actual changes to the bodywork of the car. It just it became a little bit more technically approved as time went on. But the fun of it still remained that it, it provides an opportunity to kind of go anywhere. The sense of freedom for whoever drives this car. The fact that, you know, we always say Land Rovers have soul. And if you think of the Landy family, ultimately, if you drive a Defender and you're driving in the on the highway, some guy across the highway will wave to you because he's sitting in one as well. He's yes, friendly. Yes. So many arguments about why he's so friendly, because he might break down and need some help. Who knows? <laughs> but still, ultimately, there's this fantastic family of Land Rover Defenders. And I think what is also great about them is they're no two that are alike. Mm. So you bought this basic model and then you added stuff to it, accessories. So whether these were bull bars <laughs> or lights or extra fuel tanks, it didn't make a difference. You know, there's such a massive market for this. There are no two that are exactly the same. Every owner has kind of imprinted his own persona on the car. And that's why they became so special to people and to families because they've been, they, they've shared things together. They've traveled in the Nauba Desert together. They've gone through the whole of Africa together. They they form part of the, the family that's that that you are part of. So it's quite interesting as a as a cult of a car that you, you've got this kind of thing. You know, going on safari with the car, if you think of your kids learning to drive on farms on these banged up little land rovers, these are things they'll never forget in their entire lives. Well, so the fun of it is just giving that freedom, that sense of that spirit that just says, well, let's go and do anything and go anywhere. That's kind of how they've designed them and built them over time. Yeah, no, you should see the looks that I get because we have a, lad, a defender at home and we call it uh, Kusta, Kusta short form Kuseli, which is a translation for defender. 
and oh just whenever i drive that car i think i get a lot of looks especially from men like how on earth because it's so it's so heavy number one and i guess maybe they they least expect me to be driving it uh or a woman like me to be driving it and you do get the the wave every time and at first i used to think what are they doing uh, are they tra- is there a traffic uh, a roadblock down the road that they're trying to warn me about or you know because motorists tend to do that they'll give you a flick of the lights or uh, try and indicate if there's something that they've passed in the road that you're in the direction that you're headed in so at first that's what i used to think that little wave was was just a little warning but then it was too just um uh, too common and then looked at the pattern and eventually figured that oh it's land rover driver to land rover driver and now uh, it's habitual absolutely habitual you have to do the wave and acknowledge the other land rover drivers so i absolutely love this car tough as nails um nobody nobody uh, bothers you when you drive a land rover whether you're coming from behind them you're at a four-way stop people kind of behave People just behave when you're in a Land Rover. Uh, so we'll take more of your stories. What stories do you have about Land Rovers this afternoon? Um, as we look at the history of this car, uh, it, it, as uh, my guest Kevin was saying, no two are the same. So how have you kitted yours out? For what purpose? What function? 011-883-0702. We take a break and more on our car feature. 702. The car feature. <laughs> we just got a call from one of our listeners, Robert, because we're talking about the Land Rover. Um, and uh, he didn't want to come on, but he had a joke. He says, what do you call someone who prefers a Jeep over a Land Rover? Um, Kevin, maybe you've heard this, but he says a Jeep skate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and another one we'll come to the calls in a moment but I thought we should get this out of the way um, Vishal says please ask your guest what's the difference between Land Rover and Range Rover um, and I think we do need to create that distinction because some are thinking of uh, the luxurious Range Rover yeah look Range Rover is pure luxury compared to a Defender which is a rugged off-road beast that's the best way I can put it. <laughs> you can even see the, the rivets or what is it? Those big nails where those sheets of yeah, metal. Rivets, yeah. Correct. Yeah, all pop rivets. Yes. I don't think you get any more rugged than that. Next, we've got uh, Andre in Randburg. Hello, Andre. Hi, Azania. Hi. Yes. yes. You've got a land uh, when, I, when I first started work, I worked at uh, one of the banks. Mm. In RT, and my shift leader, he had one of these land rovers. He was a very keen fisherman. But he had, in those days, they rusted quite badly, mm. okay, because of the coast. And he had welded on a railway sleeper as his bumper in the front and back. <laughs> and they didn't give us parking, this bank we worked for. They were so mean. Right? And um, he would get there, and it was in the middle of town, Gavin. Mm. And if somebody parked badly, mm. it just nudge in there and push them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> push them backwards and forwards. Simple. <laughs> He's landy. He's <laughs> <laughs> a naughty bugger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do feel like you can do that sort of thing. Uh, that must have made yeah, the car so very heavy. Huh? It did, but he just took it down to the beach to fish and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't doing sort of uh, outdoor four by four in that. He was just four by four on the beach. So mm. this thing was, and it was, 
it was quite bad. <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you okay. imagine moving push, other push out the road. car? Exactly. Yeah, That's what I was saying. Yeah. Nobody, nobody messes with you when you're in one of these defenders uh, on the road. No one, I swear. Um, and we're taking more of your calls. If you have any Land Rover stories, here's a voice note. Hi, Azania. I used to drive a Land Rover Defender Limited Edition, the last one, the avocado green, and I borrowed it to a friend and it got into an accident. It was written off. And when I wanted to buy it again, it was so expensive, I couldn't afford it. But I've always been in love with the Land Rover, uh, uh, the Defenders, that is. And when they brought in the new um, Land Rover Defender, I thought it will have the same look. Unfortunately, it doesn't have that thing for me. So, oh, and another thing, I cannot afford it. If anyone wants to give away the Land Rover, please, please, okay, or a small amount, so maybe I, I can be willing to pay, or I can even be a brand ambassador for Land Rover, the Defender one, the vintage ones, that is. And there's a, a person who owns a blue Land Rover Bucky, a vintage one in Barres, and every time I see it, I just two pieces because I'm in love with it. It's Nkulego from the Val. Thank you. Oh, Nkulego, I know the avocado color that you're talking about. You do see those zip around on, on the road. I, I also like that color quite unique. Um, next, let's go to another voice note. Remember, we're taking your calls with your Land Rover story. Speaking this afternoon to Kevin Derrick, the CEO of Creative Rides, about the iconic Land Rover, the Defender, to be precise. Hi, Azar. This car of Land Rover reminds me about Zimbabwean police. They were oh. using those cars. Wow. If they know that you are, if you hear that that car was looking for you, <laughs> you have to go and report yourself same time in police because if they come second time, yo, <laughs> it will be it. It's, it have got bad and good memories, yo. But I love it. It's Anderson E.M. Towers, boy. Yeah, oh, thank you for that. Wow. Uh, can you imagine the police force riding around in Land Rovers? Um, so you also say that lots of people have good and bad experiences or good and bad memories when they talk about the, the, the Land Rover. Uh, Kevin, what are yours? Well, if you ask my wife, she'd have lots of bad experiences. I would have just said it's just an experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So but you do have these occasional breakages. And they don't, they're not often ideal at the right, in an ideal time. But the beauty to it all really is that, um, you get on with it and it, you always get home. So for me, um, whilst you had one or two things break on the car and you were stuck out in the Kalahari and you needed to really get home, uh, you also had lots of friends that stopped and helped you fix them all up. Mm-hmm. Whilst it was an inconvenience for the family, it really was, it was fun along the way. So we enjoyed it just the same. Mm. So what could have been what someone would have called a bad experience for me was really just a great experience again. You remind me of our story. We came back from Durban in uh, the Defender and we could hear a sound and thought, oh, well, it seems to be driving fine. But there's the sound that seems to be coming from the bottom of the car. And we drove all the way to Joburg, all the way to Joburg. It was at night. There was terrible traffic on the N3. And we were literally just by our off-ramp. And then it broke down. I was driving. And then I heard this loud grinding noise. And then the car just stopped. 
it completely stopped, but it got us to Joburg from Durban with that sound. Yes, it got progressively worse. And then we found that, um, the, the, is it the prop shaft? You know, that mechanism underneath that joins the back wheels to the front wheels that's responsible for that whole, uh, um, mechanism with the, with the wheels that, uh, one of those exactly. revolve, yeah, one of those, um, uh, joints uh, was not solid and had come come out, you know, as part of that uh, drivetrain, and but it got us home. So as much as it was an an inconvenience to call a tow truck in the middle of the night, the point is, Kusta got us home from Durban. We thought it's better to get stuck here than to get stuck in the middle of uh, KZN somewhere. So always grateful. But here's to the iconic Land Rover Defender. Thank you so much, Kevin. No, it's a great pleasure. Thank you. Always a wonderful experience, I think, uh, being in, uh, uh, behind the wheel of a Land Rover Defender. And as that earlier WhatsApp said, they have this new version that is just to die for. And let's see how it does and whether or not the uh, value of the old ones, the vintage classic ones, will go up.